There comes a time when the ground seems to fall out under you. No matter how strong your faith is, there comes a time when you become overwhelmed. You realize you are no superman, that you have limitations, that you're a human being. And you might be riding high one moment and the very next. Everything seems to be crashing down. It could become the circumstances. It could become of your own foolishness. Or simply because you're not living up to the ideals that you espouse. And during times like this, you can be assailed by doubt, fear, depression, even despair. History shows this. So Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of his time, he had, debout, he had bouts of depression so severe that sometimes he would just refuse even to leave his home to go to church. There were times that the deacons went to his home and had to physically carry him to the church. Martin Luther also had bouts of depression so severe that he would just hide in the home for days. And sometimes his family would even put away any sharp utensils for fear that he might harm himself. So we take a look at history, at great men and women of faith who suffer with that. We also see this in Scripture as well. There are many examples of uh, of men of God doing mighty works for the Lord who are brought low that they despaired of life itself. Elijah was one such man. Now you might be thinking, okay, hold on. We were just here the last two weeks and we saw the power, the faith of Elijah. He had prophesied that there would be a drought and there was a drought. And then he told the widowed woman, that there would be enough flour and oil to last. It would never run out during the drought. And then he had prayed and raised the widow's son from death. And then he stood before the king, the evil king and queen, and all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And he said, you're wrong. There's only but one God. The Lord God is God. And then fire rained down on the altar that he drenched with water. And it showed that God had mercy upon the nation of Israel and that he would turn their hearts back to him. And so there was spiritual renewal and then the rain came. And then there was physical renewal. So he is at the height of his ministry. What would bring him so low? Well, the wicked, evil, and fierce Queen Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said, at this time, tomorrow, you will die. And everything seemed to be crashing down for Elijah. Here's the main message today. God cares for and restores His servant even when things seem to be crashing down. And if you take a look at the history throughout the Bible, when we fall, when we stumble, God is the one 
who restores. So this message today is ultimately a message of great hope for the care, for the love of God in restoration and renewal. Let's go to, first of all, Elijah. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to start with verse 3. Then he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. So, when circumstances seem to be so overwhelming, out of control, uh, sometimes it's because of our own foolishness. Sometimes it's just things that are outside of our control. But there are symptoms, reactions that we have, very similar to Elijah. So we're going to cover the symptoms first, because I think you're going to be able to see that there's a direct connection to us today. And then we will take a look at how God renews. So the first symptom is fear. Then he was afraid and arose and ran for his life. I mean, this is an irony, right? Because it was Elijah who had done all of those wonderful things under the power of God. These miracles happened. And he even told the widow, fear not. So why would he suddenly become afraid? Well, it's actually very simple. James writes about this because Elijah had the same nature as ours. He was a human being. Just because you have faith or great faith does not mean you stop from being a human being. So those things attack us all. Moses in the Old Testament was afraid. Peter, do you remember Peter? On the night in which Jesus was to be betrayed, he told Jesus, I would die for you. And then in the courtyard, he was afraid and denied Jesus three times. So fear is a common thing that we all experience when things come crashing down. The second is he wanted to run away. And he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba. Now, by the way, Beersheba is as far south as you can get in Israel without leaving, leaving Israel. And not only that, he told his servants to go away, so he was just by himself. He wanted to run away and just be by himself. And I bet that most of you can relate to that. I'm not going to show, uh, ask for a show of hands, but I'm going to guess at least a couple of you, when you were kids, you ran away from home, right? Did the peanut butter jelly sandwich, packed the bag, got to the end of the block or somewhere else, right? When circumstances were so overwhelming, you just wanted to run away. I can't remember if I did that or not. I think maybe I got to the end of a road or something. I don't know. But peanut butter and jelly sticks in my mind. But as adults, when we have the responsibility, most of us at least know that you actually can't run away. So instead of running away, what do we do? We go inwards 
and we shut doors and we just want to be by ourselves and talk to no one. That's kind of the adult version of running away. So Elijah actually did both of those things. The third symptom is despair, self-loathing. And he asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Hold on, how could Elijah say such a thing like that? Well, see, he knew he was a messenger called by God. And I'm sure that there were high expectations he had of himself. And yet he was afraid and ran away. He didn't even fulfill his own expectations. And he's basically saying, you know, when push comes to shove, I really am no better than anybody else. I'm no better than my father's. I am a failure. And this is often what happens when something bad happens, whether it's circumstances outside of you or it's something that you have done, we often then take a view of everything that it is that our whole life then is worthless. For Elijah, he now thinks his work is fruitless. Everything that he did doesn't really matter anymore. And he has nothing to live for any longer. There are a lot of people within Scripture who experience the same thing. You see, I'm glad we are doing this today, this particular message, because it's really easy just to take a look at the shining examples of people of faith, but then to also realize these were human beings of faith. And if you take a look at Scripture, you find that Moses, at one point, he looks up at God and exclaims, I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. And if you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my own wretchedness. Job, dealing with great grief, he said, Oh, that I might have my request and that God would fulfill my hope and that it would please God to crush me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. Jonah, you remember Jonah, right? In the whale. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now those are three Old Testament, but you take a look in the New Testament. Paul, right? We think of Paul as so strong. He says this in his letter to the Second Corinthians, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. These are all human reactions to people of very strong faith. Now the fourth symptom is listless, listlessness. Boy, I should have chosen another word for that. Or lack of energy. So Elijah was more than tired. He was physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually tired. And during times of great stress, of overwhelm, and I know everybody here has experienced that, you just get tired. You don't want to move. 
you can barely think, you just want to sit or lay in bed. I will be first to admit that I have experienced all of those symptoms that we just covered, variations of them, throughout my life. But it's interesting, during my ministry, they've been heightened. You know, from going from a wonderful moment and then going very low in like a split instance, and it feels like a spiritual whiplash, you know, whiplash of the soul. I'm also going to guess, though, that all of you here today have experienced, not if, if not all, some of those same symptoms. If you have, it does not discount your faith. It simply means that you are a human being. That you are not alone in this. God has not abandoned you. Just go back to the readings from Romans. God has not abandoned you. Rather, God cares for you and will minister to you in your time of need. So now, let's go and take a look at God's care and renewal. Let's go to the text. I'm going to read verse 5 through 8. And behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise. Eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. So there's a number of things that counteract, that show God's care, counteract Elijah's symptoms, but show God's care and his renewal. The first is nourishment and rest. God did not chastise him and said, oh, you lazy bum, you, you just got to get up. He knew that Elijah needed to be cared for physically. So he gave him nourishment. Nourishment is a gift of God. So the food that he ate, it wasn't fancy food, but it was what he needed for his body. And nutrition. God has given us food that actually provides nutrition for us. Now, I know, and I've been guilty of this, the pint of ice cream or the quart of ice cream tastes pretty good, doesn't it? Right? But then you go in that sugar high and then just crash. But ultimately, it really doesn't solve anything, does it? See, we are children of God, and we have called, been called by God to follow him and do the work, and it is a marathon, not just a sprint. And so we actually need to take care of our bodies as we go through our lives. So nutrition. Nutrition is a gift from God. 
And so is rest, by the way. Rest is a gift from God. Many of us from our generation have the sense of work till you drop, don't rest, or if you do rest, it's wrong somehow. Right? You just can't sit. Somehow it is wrong. But rest, actual rest, is a gift from God. It's not just idle time. Listen, this is why God gave us the Sabbath in the first place. It was made for us to rest and be renewed, both physically and spiritually. And this is in part why we come to worship, right? To our Sabbath rest, to be renewed by His Word. Rest is restorative in nature. Now, Jesus knew this. Uh, Mark chapter 6. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Uh, Mark chapter 8 verse 24. Even in the storms of life. Jesus rested. And behold, there rose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. Now, if you want to put it simply, and I got Heidi uh, a shirt like this, it says this, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. It's okay to rest, right? We all need that. So that's what he did. God provided nutrition and rest for Elijah. And the second thing that God did is he said, spend some time with me to spend time in the presence of God. Now, God called Elijah to go to Mount Horeb, Mount Horeb, the house of God. Mount Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. So in the Old Testament and New Testament, Mount Sinai was seen as a place where God would come to be in the presence of His people. So God says, come to my house and be renewed in my house. You see, when we forget to come to be in God's presence, whether it is in the presence of this church or our own quiet time, when that devotion time dies, despair grabs hold. When we are cut off from our devotion time, our quiet time with God, despair grabs hold. This is true for everyone. It is especially true when you are working in the service of the Lord. Listen, Jesus spent hours, hours upon hours alone with the Father because that relationship was the most precious thing to him. It was relationship with the Father that sustained him. And and look, the demands of his ministry were ever increasing. Even with the disciples, it said they had no time to even eat. So I think the words from our gospel reading are really good to heed today. 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's the New American Standard Bible. And I, I like this translation, I think the best. It's those who are truly weary, who are burdened, and Jesus says, come to me, find your rest, and you will find rest for your souls. So when you're in times of difficulty, one of the things that often gets pushed to the side is that time with God. Now, I come to the house of God almost every day, right? You would think, you would think I would just have all this wonderful quiet time. I have to remember to come, and I've got to remember, to, and I come to the altar. And sometimes it's just quiet time because it's like, I don't even know what to pray. But I sit with God to try to quiet my mind because my mind tends to go in so many different places. And by the way, the church is often open most days of the week. Friday's not, but, and Saturday's not. I try not, right? I'm home. Been better at that lately. But if you want to come and just have quiet time in the sanctuary here, please do so. This is a renewal of the soul. And then he says, cast your worries unto him. I mean, really, this is what he's asking Elijah to do. God said to Elijah, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, it's not as if God didn't know. It is not that God was like, huh, I wonder what Elijah's doing here. No, it's a way to invite Elijah to get the burden off his chest. It's just like in the garden. Where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? It's not like God didn't know, but he was bringing them out because we often like to just withhold stuff, right? And when we withhold stuff, I don't know about you, but it fills my mind so I can't think and I can't hear. So this is actually, I think, a blessing to draw Elijah out so he can actually hear the word of the Lord. Jesus did the same thing, by the way. To the blind man, he said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, it's not like Jesus didn't know that the blind man wanted his sight. But it is a way that draws us out. This is what Elijah said. I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the son of Israel has forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. You know, it's hard when you read this. Was Elijah's tone pity? righteousness, self-indignation. But no matter the tone, there's kind of the undercurrent that, Lord, I have been beating my head against the wall, serving you, and everything seems to be going wrong around me. Where are you? Have you abandoned me? And I'm going to not ask for a show of hands, but I bet I I, I could guess that most of you have had a similar conversation with the Lord at some point. So in our prayers, speaking to the Lord, it's okay to share all the burdens of your heart upon him. 
what this does, it gets it out of the way so you can also hear the word of the Lord. You know, we often say, Lord, I'm speaking. Maybe we should be, after that, we should say, Lord, I'm now listening. So, what would it be to listen then to his voice? And I'm going to read verse 11 through 12. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces at the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Now, quite the show of God's power and majesty, isn't it? You've got wind, earthquake, fire. I mean, these are loud things. And sometimes God shows his power, his majesty, and his might to get your attention so you actually finally listen. Sometimes circumstances in your life become so overwhelming, the noise around you is so great that God shows his power not in the loud things, but in the quiet things. And this is actually quite similar to many people's journey with Christ Jesus. There are a lot of loud things. Everything seems to be crashing down. The voices are very loud. And in the midst of that, you see the cross. And there's some silence. And in that silence, you hear Christ say, it is finished. It's done. In me, you are forgiven. In me, you are set free. For many people, there's that moment of silence, the clarity, then hearing God's voice. Now, I want to be clear here. God did not whisper to Elijah. We often take this to say, God whispers to Elijah. God doesn't whisper. It says there was a a, a, a low low sound like a whisper, but God himself did not whisper. When God speaks, it is clear, and you hear him speak. I just, a funny thought, God told me a secret. No, no, he spoke. He didn't whisper in my ear, he spoke. So, what did he say? He again says, isn't this interesting? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah says the very same thing that he said the first time. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. So here's what I find really interesting, is that 
God didn't sit down with Elijah and do any therapy. He didn't delve into his psyche and say, all right, let's go into how your mother treated you or how your father treated you. And how you... He didn't do any of that, right? He didn't do that. He just said, go. He said, go. You see, out of line there. Uh, the healing and renewal did not come from looking inward. It did not come from trying to unravel the knots of the psyche. Here's where the healing came. It came from being in the presence of God and listening to His Word. And that's where the true healing came from. Let me give you an example of this. And it's going to be about a man you've all heard about. His name is James Cash Penny, or J.C. Penny. So during the first part of the 20th century, he had over 1,400 stores bearing his name. But when the Great Depression struck, it also hit him very, very hard. He was overdrawn, cash was tight, constant and unrelenting worry began to take its toll. He said, I was so harassed with worries I couldn't sleep and developed an extremely painful ailment. He was concerned about his deteriorating health, so he checked into Kellogg Sanatorium at Battle Creek, Michigan. This would be like the Mayo Clinic of the day. But nothing helped. He was so distraught that he even wrote farewell letters to his wife and son. However, he woke up the next morning and he was surprised to find himself alive. Making his way down the hallway of the hospital, he could hear singing come from the little chapel where devotional exercises were held each morning. The words of the hymn, God Will Take Care of You, being sung, spoke to him deeply. Going into the chapel, he listened to the singing. He heard the reading of the scripture and the prayer. And he said, suddenly something happened. I can't explain it. I can only call it a miracle. I felt as if I had been instantly lifted out of the darkness of a dungeon into the warm, brilliant sunlight. I felt as if I had been transported from hell to paradise. I felt the power of God as I've never felt it before. That is the full renewal of God. The physical and spiritual renewal from the power of God and His Word. So, now renewed, Elijah, uh, God told Elijah, go. Go. There's more work for you to do. Now, God did not say that Elijah had to be a superman. He didn't, did he? He said, rather, listen to my word and be faithful to my word. And that's a call for each one of us. Not to somehow become this giant of faith, but to hear his word and be faithful to his word. You see, it was not the power of Elijah that did all the miracles. It's the power of God. It is the power of God working through Elijah. You see, you and I don't have to be 
the overcomers of the entire world and we have to take on the entire world. Rather, we trust Him who has already overcome the world. We trust Him who has done it all. And so we are to be faithful to His Word and be His servant. That's the call. So, for you this week, heed the call of Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. You might need nourishment. I know, I know, certain ice cream is so good. I, I, I wish Betsy was here for tops. We could get a plug for tops in here. But it's the nourishment that really does make a difference. And that rest. Jesus took a nap. Be like Jesus. Spend time in his presence, whether that is home, whether it is here. Carve out some of that time. And really, it's okay to bring all of your worries to him. And then, listen to his voice. Now, you don't have to go and listen for something audible, right? You don't have to say, God, whisper to me in my ear today, because remember, God doesn't whisper. When he speaks, he speaks. But you listen to his voice through the word, through the Bible. And that brings renewal. And then, as you go about your day, be faithful to his word. And remember that you're not alone. There are other brothers and sisters all around you who will also help you and minister to you during this time. As I've said many times before, Christianity is not a solo sport. We all need each other. And everyone says, Amen.